In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... Afternoon Tea with host Sammy Sage. Is that what you're saying? Please proceed, Governor. Presented by the Betches Sub Podcast. You better hope there's a lot of girls listening to this with the volume turned down. Your weekly dose of political therapy. Cardi, that's what I've been doing my whole life. And now, with this week's guest... Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. Your host, Sammy Sage. Welcome to our very first episode of Afternoon Tea, your companion to the morning announcements and weekly political therapy session brought to you by the Betches Sup. Our first guest is a Betches Sup favorite, Elizabeth Plank, also known as at Fabulous on Instagram. Liz is an award-winning journalist who's worked at Mike, Vox, and you've probably seen her on MSNBC as a correspondent. This conversation was incredibly enlightening as we explore some of the ways that misogyny and masculinity impact both our political system and our daily lives. So with that, let's get the tea from Liz. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. I love you. I love I am so happy to see you. Like I like we met during the Trump administration. We did. And yes. Yes. I mean, you know, it's the friends we make along the way, as they say on Twitter. <laughs> it is. And because we met in during this time and we do not have a like a we're we we only have known each other in the Trump era, it means that like I feel like I've known you for 40 years because 40 years have passed. Yes, exactly. I can't believe it's been this long. I know. Okay, so like, let's start. We're recording this on January 21st. It is the first full day of the Biden-Harris administration. Liz, you have been doing incredible work prior to this administration, but especially throughout this administration. How do you feel this afternoon? It feels... Like it feels wrong to be happy and to feel carefree and to like hate other things um, and, and, and like care about low stakes scandals like Hilaria Baldwin right. type stuff, you know, or the bathrooms at the um, at the Ivanka and Jared's house. Did you hear about that scandal? Oh, of course. Of yeah, of course. course. It's, you know, that's like my well, beat. <laughs> that's <laughs> like offensive shit they say to their staff is like totally my brand. Like, this is this meets all of this intersects with all of my interests and skills yeah. um, at analysis. But yes, so I I've, I feel yeah I, I I mean since the election I've felt a weight uh, off of my shoulders. I I at the same time I also feel like Trump has created this complete vacuum where it became everything and uh, that we talked about. And so there are actually a lot of issues that we haven't talked about for the last four years, um, from climate change to, uh, you know, the feminization of poverty, to labor rights, to disability issues, to healthcare. Like, there's so much work that we need to do. And I don't mean to be like the party pooper. um, But I'm also excited to sort of get to work and start feeling smart again, like, so that I can analyze things that matter instead of trying to get inside a narcissist's head all the time, which is what I feel like (laughs) cable news that had amounted to like, it was just like a gossip show about a narcissist. Um, Right. So, so yeah, I'm thrilled about, about other issues um, coming to the forefront. I'm totally with you. It also was just like, like you said, like the toilet story, like the news was so (laughs) dumb. Like sometimes it was just so like, it was, it was the, the, the intersection of like evil stupidity and corruption that just like, it drove me fucking nuts every day. It, it, it did. And it felt, I mean, especially I think as women, and I know it was worse for women of color and for any marginalized community, like to just see them get away with it and have no consequences day and day and day out was, was it, it made us feel really helpless. And we weren't, right? Like we've won everything back and they have left the most, I mean, Trump has left without a Twitter account. Like, oh, like this is better than we even have dreamt of that. Exactly. This is like the the best case scenario. 
Um, and so, and, and, and that happened because of all of those efforts, because you all paid attention and because uh, people like you made videos and, and created content to help people understand the stakes of this administration and the stakes of doing nothing. So I, I think it, it, it really activated people. Um, and, and now we know that there are consequences to actions. Now we know that the good guys can win. And I think we needed to see that. Um, I think our children needed to see that. Definitely. I mean, you've been very inspirational to me as a content creator, journalist, writer, thinker throughout this administration. (laughs) Honestly, like I, you know, I definitely see you as someone who like came before and like really sort of guided me as to like how you can use social media and use kind of like your personality to really help people get engaged. Thank so, you. I mean, I have to thank you for that. I'm, I'm, I've been inspired by you. Like, I still remember, I mean, anyway, this will just, this is what this will turn into. I remember like when we went to fest. coffee. We went to yes. coffee. I'm, I'm obsessed yeah. with you. I, I think that what you, you know, what, what you have done is really carve out a really important feminist space on Instagram and it created space for other people like me. So I'm, I'm grateful to you. Thank you. I mean, we are in lockstep and hopefully, I mean, you know, obviously (laughs) I think that we're just really getting started on kind of the worlds we want to see. Yeah. But okay. So this week or last week at this, by the time this comes out, we saw Kamala Harris sworn in to the highest position a woman and especially a woman of color has ever filled in American politics, which is stunning. I mean, it's really amazing. Yeah. So I saw you had a mm-hmm. you you had an article in Cosmo this morning about, you know, her being the VP and her husband being the second gentleman. Yeah. What do you think this will do for the perception of women in power for children who are watching this and also mm-hmm. for men who are who are watching this? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is just as important for us to see women in leadership positions as it is for us to see men in supportive positions, right? Being, if we're telling girls <laughs> to be more assertive and that they can be the firsts, we have to be telling boys that they can be supportive and be second. And I just get chills <laughs> thinking about, you know, we were just talking about the administration and the Trump administration and how the overt sexism, the overt racism has led to, you know, not just politically taking back the House uh, or, or, or holding the House, taking back the Senate and the White House, but it also has led to these huge uh, amazing, you know, some of the largest progressive movements of all time from Black Lives Matter this summer, uh, you know, the protests during a pandemic being the largest in history to obviously, you know, the Women's March and women uh, really powering the quote unquote resistance. But we've also, I think, will be seeing a backlash when it comes to this administration or the previous administration's view of masculinity. And actually, when we look at the, there was data that came out just after the Capitol riot that showed that having a destructive view of masculinity was actually a bigger determinant of voting for Trump than having sexist beliefs, than having racist beliefs, and then having homophobic beliefs. So really masculinity was at the core of the Trump administration and is at the core of of Trump continuing this movement. Um, And so what we're seeing with a man like Joe Biden, who's openly, you know, just in his feelings and emotional and vulnerable. In two days. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yes. He's very, he's an emotional being and he's not, you know, sort of afraid to, to show it. And, but then also in addition to that, and, and by the way, Joe Biden is a, tr- you know, sort of transitional masculinity of being the first, uh, you know, VP for a black, uh, for, 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 for the first black president, and now being the president for, for, with the first VP female of color. Like that's really actually really powerful how he is sort of this transition. Um, and, and, and what I'm hoping again with Doug Kamala Harris's husband being the first second gentleman, like these are, re- this is a really big deal that there's a woman of color in the White House who is the main character and the white man is supporting her. Like we just do not see that. Um, just, we, we do not see it in, you know, any industry. We, we, we are starting to see it on TV. Um, but, and, and, and in film, but this is really extraordinary. And, and I think really historical where we're going to be seeing, uh, and, and, and we've been seeing so much, um, of, you know, sort of 
quote unquote, female empowerment as a result of the Trump administration. But what I think we're also going to be seeing is men being like, F this, like macho, invulnerable masculinity that doesn't wear masks, that doesn't, that dies, you know, of COVID and everything else uh, because, you know, seatbelts are gay or whatever. Like, like, I think men are like, this does not represent me. And my, my gender is actually better than this. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled. I think this is, this is a, such a historical moment for both women and men. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. So your whole your whole point about how the Trump administration was like this sort of like hotbed of misogyny, like we don't wear masks because because like that's not masculine and all this stuff. I -hmm. saw a tweet like where where Doug Emhoff had changed his like bot his bio to um, like second gentleman and someone wrote like, how embarrassing is that? I'm like, it's well, how emasculating was the tweet? Right. Right. Emasculating. And it's like, yeah. What is emasculating about having enough of a sense of self that you can play, Mm. quote unquote, second to your wife? Like, to me, that's a sign of strength, if anything. But I'm wondering if you see if you think that there will be a backlash to having a woman of color Mm. as VP, similar to how Trump became president after Obama, which we Mm. don't love. Mm. Which we, yeah, we know how that story ended. Um, Yes, I I think that's a really, really good question. Like right now we're, you know, because you're you're a local (laughs) optimist, uh, as your t-shirt says, and and I am too, uh, um, on the West Coast, we're we're, we're doing both coasts. But but I think, you know, yeah, we're we're really primed in in this moment to to celebrate these first, but uh, but of course, right? Like we saw how the Obama, uh, ad- administration ushered in so much, uh, uh, you know, change in this country, but also so much backlash. And, you know, I think for many people, they wondered, like, are we going backwards when it comes to this issue? Um, so I think it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. You know, we saw it in the debates with with Mike Pence and Kamala Harris, where, you know, he kept interrupting her. He kept he, this just smug attitude, the the bro appropriating the mansplaining like all these things that we've been talking that women have been facing in there and particularly women of color have been facing in the workplace and in their everyday lives we saw it play out on you know the big screen and and on the biggest political you know platform of you know probably in the world and so I think it'll be interesting to see how Kamala Harris responds in these situations and I think that we'll you know just like uh, excuse me, I'm speaking, um, became this sort of <laughs> rallying feminist cry um, and, and that women started actually using in their Zooms and actually using in their everyday lives. I think that there'll be a lot of opportunities for us to examine just the, I mean, the the depth of the sexism and the racism against women of color at, in every facet of society, in every industry. But yeah, ultimately, I just get excited about just children seeing a diverse array of people in leadership positions. Um, and, and, and again, it, it's not just that we love seeing white men <laughs> be the supporting character, but, but that there's actually nothing wrong with that, right? Like 
being supportive. Well, that's what they've been telling us. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Isn't that a good thing? Right. Right. And, and your point about, um, you know, the Twitter handle being emasculating that somehow being second gentleman is, is emasculating to me just signals how little we've defined masculinity and how it just really hangs on a thread. Like that was to me the best metaphor for the whole mask stuff, which, you know, wasn't just in the United States. You know, we saw the same stuff happening in Canada where really men were just less likely to wear masks. And I was like, if, if your masculinity can be taken away right. by, by a piece of, you know, a fabric, to me, what that signals is, is, is that we really need to define what masculinity means. And we really need a, 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 a robust conversation so that men and boys can express themselves and be themselves in the world without people coming over and, you know, taking away their gender uh, and their gender identity based on just the, yeah, the, the sort of smallest behaviors and attitudes. And um, yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with being supportive. There's, there's it, it, being assertive and being supportive are actually both equally, uh, you know, validating uh, characteristics. And they're characteristics that I think every parent wants t- their children, no matter what their gender is, um, to exhibit and to have. So, and, and again, sorry, I'm going to, I'm don't keep going talk about masculinity. I just go, but there's also, you know, we, we accept that women are still women if they're assertive, right? We accept yes. that women, uh, don't, we don't take their gender away. I think just as rapidly, obviously it's, uh, harder and more difficult for women of color, or again, if there's any marginalized identity, but, but generally we don't say like, oh, she's not a woman because she's in a high power position. Right. But for men, yeah, it's, it's like they can only exhibit the quote unquote masculine characteristics. And if they were to exhibit any kind of feminine characteristic, it's, it's just unacceptable. And to me, that's like, that's the crux of it. Like, this is about freedom. This, this conversation around men is not saying like men are trash and men are gross and men are dumb. It's like, don't you want to be free? Right. Don't you want to be happy? Right. Because <laughs> it feels good to me to be able to be fully myself and exhibit feminine, masculine, and all kinds of different characteristics that are true to who I am and who I want to be in the world and true to, you know, the situation I'm in. That sometimes, yeah, I'll lean towards one more than the other. But to not give men the choice, I think is right. is um is denying their humanity. Yeah. And I mean, I think it leads to a lot of like displays of aggression for the sake of displaying the aggression. It's Mm -hmm. like you sort of, you sort of look at a man who is, who's a little softer or is capable Mm -hmm. of showing that soft side, like Joe Biden. And Mm -hmm. I think that you, you, I think that it's only the really hardcore people who are who are most insecure in their masculinity, who look at that and they're like, I never want to be like that. So it's kind of an oxymoron, you know, I don't know if it's an oxymoron, but it's, Mm -hmm. it has the opposite effect that's Mm -hmm. intended. It's like, we can see through you. We can see your lack Mm -hmm. of masculinity by how much you're trying to display it. Yeah. Yeah. And the refusal of that feminine characteristic is a refusal of it inside yourself. Right. Right. That the refusal of it in Doug, right. <laughs> like when his Twitter, yeah. handle, like who cares? Like, right. why do you care? Right. It's also like what his is going handle, on? Do- like what, what yeah, he's like, a lawyer. Who- like he's, he's, <laughs> he does, he, he, he does like, he didn't yeah. wipe out his career and all his accomplishments <laughs> because he is, because his wife got elected. Yeah. Yeah. Like let Doug live. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, just like let him live and like focus on you. Right. And, and again, why that is so, uh, and truly to, to, you know, to the men who are listening, I, I, I don't want to, you know, we're making jokes about it, but like, if that rubs you the wrong way, like, think about that, like sit with that. What does that mean? Right. And then, you know, and, and why, does it bother you so much that someone else is doing it, even if you're not doing it, right? It's sort of the way that, um, you know, homophobia is a, is a fear of that in yourself, right. right? Like people who are comfortable with their sexual identity, like don't give a fuck about what other people are doing in their bedrooms. Like who, why would I care? Um, but, but if that's a fear that you have, a fear that this will happen to you and that somehow, you know, this is equated with being rejected, re- being um, 
you know, uh, like losing connection to other people, which, which by the way, in our society is a real thing for men, right? Like men don't get rewarded, uh, for, for, for being uh, second men don't get rewarded for being supportive women get rewarded. And, um, and, and, and so we need to create a different reward system and, 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 and again, just, just expansion of, of the identity of masculinity and, and how to exhibit it in, in, in the world. Because for women, there's all kinds of different ways of being a woman, right? Um, and, and I think men deserve that too. Right. I think something I was reading, and I think this comes up especially like in the pandemic when people are so isolated, like how do men form friendships? Like female yeah. friendships are so important for women in, I think, like forming their self-concept you know, in a lot of emotional growth and men to not have that to sort of have like, you know, you basically can't go beyond talking about like sports Mm -hmm. or like having sex with chicks. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? What Mm -hmm. is that? Like, what inner world are you creating when, when a man can't like entertain anything other than toughness? But yeah, I think early on in the pandemic, I was actually working on a documentary about women in baseball, which like feels random, but anyway, so I was doing that and then it got shut down. That movie, um, that a league of their own. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, it it was, it was a documentary, but yes, league of their own is like in that universe of, of, uh, yeah, we were just, you know, interested in sort of, I mean, baseball doesn't exist for women, right? Um, women play softball softball and girls play softball. Mm -hmm. There you go. That says a lot. Plus all of the um, plus all of the stereotypes that go along with women who play softball. Like it's just everything is it, so exactly yeah. everything's so fucked. Like everything. Yeah. This is you know, <laughs> yeah. you're just like oh my god. Just one thing in my life. Can it just not be poisoned with this system? This like gender system that we've created and imagined and enforced. Like it's you know the you know just like this like we're we're in a, we're in a cult like sometimes yeah. i legitimately feel like living in a society where um where where people assign arbitrary characteristics uh based on what's between your legs or what people think is between your legs it it, it if aliens were to come down on earth they'd be like wait what um so it, it feels like it it it, it is crazy making um so, but anyway, the, the point I was making is I was doing this documentary. So I, in the beginning of the quarantine, when we thought, you know, this will last two weeks, we're going to go back to production. That was funny. Uh, so I was talking to this uh, neighbor of mine in LA. I was just running on a run and he was playing baseball with his daughter or like playing catch. And so I asked him like, oh, what, you know, what has it meant for you to lose baseball? Like, you know, all sports were canceled and it was this um, sort of amazing social experiment that has never been reproduced since the war, basically, uh, where all sports went away. And uh, I asked him, you know, what do you miss the most about watching baseball? And he got literally teary eyed. He like choked up and he said, watching it with my dad. Sorry, talking about it with my dad. And then I became obsessed with talking to men about what they miss about sports and what they missed about sports was never the sports. It was the connection often with other men in their lives. And I had one man tell me, um, you know, it's, and it was sort of a reversal. He said, me and my dad would always talk after the game. And like, we would talk about the game. And now that there's no games for the first time in my life, this man is in his fifties. He says, my dad asked me how I was. Wow. Like how I was doing, because again, and, and I think it's great that men connect, you know, in all these different ways and and through sports, it's a really interesting social (laughs) lubricant, but you know, why does it have to be through sports? Why can't it just be for the sake of intimacy and connection, which we're, we're all humans who are hardwired to seek that. And when we don't get that, we go insane. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, to your point, uh, if we only, if we tell men the only emotion you're allowed to express is anger, then everything's going to come out in anger. Sadness isn't going to come out in anger. A desire for connection isn't going to come back, come out in anger. And, uh, and, and that to me creates like this catch 22 for uh, particularly uh, straight relationships where one uh, gender is, is, is raised um, 
completely differently from the other one. And, and obviously then we live also in a sexist society where women are just expected to sort of take the blame and be responsible for every, every feeling that's ever been felt. Um, and so you, you get that, you put that gender with the other gender who's like, doesn't know how to express feelings <laughs> and has never right. And then you just get like, you know, 50% divorce rate. <laughs> you know, that is such an interesting I'm going to never forget that about the the baseball thing and talking yeah. because it's it's really sad. Like I actually feel badly that yeah. there are people in this world who feel like they're they can only talk about like where a ball went at a certain time as where a way of yeah. connecting with their parent. Yeah. Like that's that is a yeah. big lacking. That's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big big deal and it tells you so much. It does. That was a question about baseball. Yeah. And it, like, what if we yeah. <laughs> like, asked you about other, you know, went deeper with that. I, I, I think that's such a, that's such a great point. And it, yeah, again, it points to, you know, what I'm trying to do with, with my book is uh, often it's misunderstood that I think people believe that I think it's women's jobs to take on this conversation around masculinity. And actually what I'm trying to do with this book is like, I did it. So you don't have to <laughs> like, like I wrote, I spent four years talking to men. So you don't, you don't have to, I mean, not that you don't have to, but you know, going to the deepest ends of their, of their trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but, but basically like, you know, I wrote this so that he can do the work himself and the best way to achieve gender equality and to complete the gender revolution is for men to realize and recognize that they have a gender as well. And until that conversation happens, right? I mean, it comes back to our conversation around Kamala Harris. We cannot have an equal amount of female leaders. We cannot have an increase in female leaders if we don't have an increase in male support um, leaders. I think those are leaders too. We can call yeah. them leaders. It's just a different kind of leadership. Um, because women have been doing this job for centuries. We have enabled men to be leaders. Right. We have enabled men to pursue their dreams and create, many of them have created amazing things out of that. But we also need a supportive network to pursue our dreams. And we have all agreed that we want a gender equal society. We know the benefits of more female leadership in politics, but all, all over the place, um, across every industry. So if we know that and we want that, we can't just be like, okay, well, women just do more. That's always how it is. <laughs> just do. Yeah. yeah. That, that can't, we, that's not acceptable. Right. And, and that's, that's boundaries. Like we need to have feminist boundaries. Like we need, we need boundaries in our movement, um, in the feminist movement to be like, this is not ours. Right. And we, if you are on this team to achieve this goal of gender equality, it, the conversation around masculinity is not optional. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Okay, so last time you were on, you were on with me, your book, your book For the Love of Men had just come out, and we had not experienced 2020. Now your paperback no, out. We had no and idea. And we have experienced 2020. <laughs> We've seen, I mean, BLM, the pandemic, there's been so much the fact that women have taken the massive brunt of the job losses in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. How do you think, you know, how do you think this, the events of this year have changed people and, and has it changed them or how has it changed them, if at all? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And look, I will be the millionth person to 
say that the virus um, did not create inequalities, it revealed inequalities at every level of our society. It, it made them so overtly clear. Um, and, and I think for racial justice activists, for uh, women's rights activists, for people who uh, you know, are interested in eradicating poverty and uh, you know, I- I- income inequality, which is you know, getting way worse, just connected to all of it, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, racial justice is an economic issue. Uh, women's rights is 100% an economic issue. Two thirds of minimum wage workers are women. Uh, abortion is an economic issue. We talk about it as, as, as if this is lovey-dovey, like we just want the right to like, you know, bodily autonomy. Like, yes, for sure. But also if I'm a baby making machine, I cannot go and work. And you want me to work because capitalism like I know you love it and you want me to be a part of it so you can't you can't have your cake and eat it too so um, but do you think it's changed anyone's like minds or intentions I think that it has revealed to the people who are open to seeing inequality and who are interested in social change it has made inequalities undeniable and it has made structures right when we're talking about racism, when we're talking about sexism, when we're talking about who does caregiving, like it is now so clear, right? Like a husband, for example, who, you know, may have been out at work all day and not seen all of the labor, the invisible labor uh, very often that his wife does at in the home is now very aware of how <laughs> much work it is to keep that place in order. Um, so I think that for, for, for several people, they've been able to, 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 to really see the gross inequalities in our society and 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 it becomes almost like you're just oblivious if if you're like yeah racism doesn't exist like when you know COVID has affected black and brown people five to six times way more and the Trump administration censored that which we now know from this week uh, uh, that there was a report in May that they basically like kept from the public that was like black and brown people are going to that's die probably why they like this. stopped caring um, around then they were like great <laughs> yeah 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 exactly that's that's the that's the goal that's, fewer of them uh, then, can vote yeah, not we've, for we've us achieved. is probably literally what they were exactly. thinking exactly if you kill them yeah if you kill them they can't they can't vote you out um and so it's yeah it's 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 completely it's completely mind-boggling uh but 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 look i i think that this has created a no point of return. Like yeah. we just like, it's, it's the, the house is on fire. Like everything is burned down and we get to rebuild and we b- get to reconstruct. And what I'm hoping for is that this is, yeah, a positive turning point. I mean, I did a show for NBC called positive spin during the worst, darkest year in, you know, modern American history, because I, I do believe that this is creating, um, you know, that, that, that there, that there's, a place for solution-based journalism and that there are a lot of people who are coming up with really creative solutions and we need to uh, spotlight those people and, 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 and give them our support and resources and amplify them. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it's sort of, it's like, yeah. it's on us. Like, do we want, you know, it's, it's sort of like when you get out of, I don't know, like a breakup or you get fired and like your whole life is falling apart and you're like, all right, either, I like, am I more uncomfortable with the idea of changing and, and facing myself? Uh, or do I want to stay with the comfort of this unhappiness and like knowing that this is not my highest self and this is not the best, you know, for me or for other people. Um, but it's hard. It's going to take effort. I mean, Joe Biden is, I, I, I did not, I did not want that job. I I don't know if a lot of people (laughs) wanted to come into that mess. He's stepping into probably the most challenging situation I can think other than maybe FDR, but okay. So I have one last quick topic I would like to address. So something that is really state you impresses me about your advocacy is that you focus on ableism and i really don't see a lot of that from many people i i grew up with a brother who had autism and it made me very conscious of it and i think in some ways it's what made me very um very interested and in, and see the connection between government and how it actually like matters to people like it's not this remote thing it actually mm. makes a difference how can how do you mm. think people can train themselves to recognize ableism more and really fight for it? I think that it's something that people think, oh, if it doesn't mm. affect me now, it never will. But, you know, you don't know what's mm-hmm. going to come to your life. Oh. And 
why would you yeah. want to inflict that difficulty and challenge on other people who are experiencing those things? So yeah. I just, I want to hear your thoughts and hopefully, you know, spark something mm. in people's heads that this is something we should be paying more attention to. I think disability. So my background is, um, I, I worked as a community organizer at a, at a, with, with people with disabilities and I, you know, was in best buddies programs. Like I always just, uh, and, and actually before, anyway, before I became a journalist and moved to New York, I was in, uh, enlisted in a, in a master's program in, in, in social work. And I, and I, yeah, I just wanted to, to, uh, work with people with, with uh, disabilities because, you know, to your point, I just saw, um, such a richness of um, just, I, that's the only way for me to put it. Just like people with disabilities have so much potential that's been untapped by our society. And that's all I see when I, you know, work with people with disabilities, when I interview people with disabilities, when, when we talk about the, the movement, I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. And I think that the discomfort, cause I get this question, like, I'm sure you know, it's like, uh, how are you like so comfortable with people, particularly, I think with, with intellectual disabilities. And to me, it's just, it was just never, there was just never, there was never discomfort to overcome. And I think that the discomfort that people feel, and I'm not saying that I don't have able, like I live in an ableist society. So I have like been ableist my whole life, but I think that the thing that you're talking about where it just doesn't get the attention that other marginalized identities get is that it comes back to the issue that we were talking about where it's something that people fear in themselves. Disability is actually the only identity that anyone can fall into. And disability rights activists don't uh, appreciate when, when we say that. And I'm saying it though, because I think it helps explain the barrier to sort of entry when it comes to people really fighting for this movement and joining this movement. And so that's why I'm saying it. There's nothing wrong with disability. There's something wrong with our society. And, um, you know, uh, there's an incredible woman you have to follow, Crutches and Spice, um, Imani. Yeah, she's incredible. And she, uh, wow. Recently posted, you know, like I'm not broken. You are like I'm just trying to adjust to a broken world. I'm not. I'm not the one who's broken, and that's the social model of disability versus the medical model, right? That that the problem is not the person with a disability. That's the medical issue, right? You're disabled. You can't do this. It's like no, no. I want to get to school. There's just not a ramp. You have made, you know, the environment has made me disabled um, and, and, and has made it impossible for me to participate in society. So I think that people have to confront that within them, themselves. And I think seeing more people who have disabilities being very vocal about disability and saying the word disability, right? Uh, disability activists have often told me, um, you know, we hate the term differently abled. We hate the term learning differences. It's, it's a disability, like say it, it's fine. Um, in, and even uh, Amanda Gorman actually has, has a stutter and she is a disabled woman. And we know that she's the youngest. We know that she's this incredible black woman, uh, but, but the disability was kind of erased. And as Imani uh, pointed out, when we talk to people with disability, the people that we're comfortable right. talking to about disabilities are the people who have quote unquote overcome their disability. And isn't that just, it's sort of like the masculinity thing. Like, it's like, a, that makes un- me so sad. It's not obviously parallel, because- but it, I think it hits on the same mm-hmm. insecurity inside for people. Yeah. But, and, and I think more than other identities. And, and again, we've done this to, we, we do this to everyone, um, right. That women are somehow expected to overcome being women. Sorry. Like, don't talk that way. Don't say, please don't say, uh, thank you. Don't use emojis. Like, don't be like, don't make people feel good. Like, like it's just like the things that we are told to, to basically deny are these again, 
arbitrary characteristics that we have socially agreed upon are feminine and and therefore de devalued because we live in a misogynistic society. It, it, it's similar with disability that we want to talk to you about your disability if you are, have overcome it. We want to talk to you about uh, being a woman if you it's not holding you back, you know, quote unquote. And there's something really dehumanizing about that, right? There's something really dehumanizing about um, the idea that, that there is something, you know, instead of being proud of this identity and instead of being, again, fully yourself um, and, and people being interested in you being fully yourself, they're interested in how you would fit into what people expect from you. And yeah, it makes me really, it, it breaks my heart. I think, um, <laughs> again, it's just like, we're in a fucking cult. Like, what the fuck? Who decided? Money that, at the top. Who made these rules? Paper, yeah. Like, men at the top, white people at the top. Like, why, why, why? why money at the, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it's just, it's, it's infuriating. Yeah. It's, infu it's, it's, it's it infuriating does. and it's so draining. It's unjust and it, it takes so much of our energy. Like I want to work. I want to do my job. Like I want to, there are things I want to do in the world. And, and so many women, so many people of color, so many people with disabilities just spent their time right. justifying their fucking humanity instead of like fighting for humanity and contributing to humanity. And it would just be really nice if everyone just like blank slate, like let's just start over. Let's just like no rules. Like let's just be ourselves with each other and see how that goes. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and a of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. I want to move into a segment that we're going to do with every guest. You're our first. Uh-oh. No, it's good. It's good. So I've called it the four questions because I'm Jewish and oh, um, I'm taking it and taking a little page out of Passover. But so basically I'm going to ask everyone the same four questions at the end of every interview. Um, and they're not really, they're, they're not hard. They're just, you know, sort of personal so people can get to know you and, you know, okay. understand where you're coming from more. So 
Okay. Our first question is, what is your happiest memory? <sighs> I want to put you in a good mood. Oh, so many. I think, well, m- my happiest memory is actually my first memory. Oh. And yeah, my first memory is, and it will suggest that I just had this idyllic childhood, which I didn't, but, or, you know, I was very fortunate, but, but this particular moment was my first memory. It was at my local pool, swimming pool. And it's the first time that I learned how to swim. And I must've been, yeah, three or four. I had floaties on and I remember vividly, I was in my mother's arms And we're both Pisces. So like, there's that water connection that like a lot of my memories from childhood are like my mom holding me in the water and like that feeling like the safest uh, place for me. Um, So I'm in my mother's arms and then my dad is like a few feet away. And I just out of my own volition decided like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go see him. And I just swam over without really like thinking about it. Um, and my dad, like my dad just went like, wow, like you just swam, like go back to, go back to mommy. And then I like went back like a boss yeah. and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, she's like, oh my God, go back to daddy. And it's a very simple memory. And I, and I actually don't, maybe a, a therapist who's listening can tell me why this is like, what this means that this is so meaningful to me, but there was something really pure about that moment of feeling this, inc- feeling incredibly supported and and seen um and by my you know my caretakers by my by my parents and I I just remember feeling so proud and and just being like wow I did that like that worked like I can do so many things that's awesome um so so yeah I don't know why it's such a vivid memory for me but it's uh yeah it makes me feel like I mean weirdly like I'm in control or like there are things that I can do and so when I yeah when I feel uh messed up, which is is several times a day. Sometimes, yeah, I will go back to like that memory of being in the water and feeling like, okay, there's like, I don't know. I I feel at ease. Yeah. I mean, I, I love to read about like attachment theory for kids. Um, and I feel like, yeah, (laughs) this is why it's wrong that we're not best. I know like it's like physical distance between us, I think is the problem. But like when the pandemic's over, We'll make it I know we're the yeah. same. We're the same. But I think so but thinking you read a about lot of that. About it. Yeah, it seems like that is a moment of like real safety and security. And yes. like ultimately, that's what no- everyone wants. Like all the yes. stuff on top of it is just stuff. But ultimately, mm. people mm. just want to feel held, supported. Yes. Supported. Not alone. Yes. Yeah. And and that if you try and do something hard, um, like someone's there to to, to, to sort of catch you. Yeah. Right. And like, and be like, all right, you know, and like there, there's something about that. Yeah. That, that people who have that in their lives are, are really, really lucky. And, and you're right. The most well-adjusted. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> okay. Here's my, here's my second question. If you, okay. if you could go on vacation with any two people, they can be dead or alive. Who would they be? And why would you pick those two people? <laughs> gonna cry because I would definitely want to take RPG on a on a cruise right now (laughs) (laughs) and be like girl (laughs) um yeah I her death really really affected me this year and I I still don't think I've processed it I think many people there's a lot of things we haven't processed and we'll be processing for years um so I would definitely want to spend time with her and, and just also, I'd love to just treat her yeah. like, you know, in the way that you want to like treat your grandma yeah. to like a trip. Like I would love to do that. Just like sit by the pool her. and read like next to her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And um, I, I'd probably bring Imani. Like I, I think, cause I, that would be so cool. Like to see them talk to each other. And I would, you know, Imani is, um, I mean, she's going to think this is why nuts because we're not, I mean, I, she, we're friendly. We've never met in person, you know, but I, I feel like, you know, when you watch someone like all the time, you feel like, you know, yeah. them. Uh, but she is such a source of immense knowledge and wisdom. And I feel like I would love to be on a vacation 
with her because I could just like listen to her talk <laughs> a lot. And then like Oprah, like okay. I know you only said two, but like I would just add Oprah because the, having Oprah stuck with me somewhere would be amazing because then um, then I could just yeah ask her all the questions I've had for decades. And she could and, be the um, one treating RBG like, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they can yeah. talk and I'll watch yeah. and drink a mimosa. I feel bad for any men who you encounter with that crew yes. who are Uh-oh. maybe afraid to wear yeah. a mask or something. Yeah, they need to, the men on the boat have to all be topless and all be serving us yeah. drinks. Um, that's how, that's how this yeah. works. And, um, and, and they all need to be securely attached. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Okay, third question. I can't deal with it. (laughs) What are you terrible at and should never be trusted with? Oh my God. So many things. Really, just anything that requires attention to detail. (laughs) If you ever, if I ever have a, you read my resume and it says I have attention to detail, it's a lie. (laughs) I am. I am just, I, it, it really blows my mind how much of life I'm missing. <laughs> my brain, I'm so big picture. And, and, you know, the flip side of that is that I am very creative and I feel excited to do big things. And I think I'm able to be that right brain, but yeah, my left brain is, is uh, completely, and I, I, yeah, I get lost everywhere I go all the time. I don't know how to drive. Like I I purposely do not want to put other people in danger of like me trying to get from point A to point B. And, um, so, so yeah, if I'm, I should not be anyone's like assistant, you know, or like secretary because I'm like, I'm getting hives thinking about that. Like that someone, if you put that trust into me, I'm just, it's going to be a disaster. It's so funny you say that because that is like also that's my answer too. I literally said to my co-founder the other day, like, yeah, like I said to her, I was like, I was like, I realize like I am inept in the left brain. I actually use those. I got like it's empty. Yeah. Like it's empty. It's empty. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. When I try to like book flights, like it needs no, to be no. checked by five other people to me make too. sure that no, I did it the wrong year. Like <laughs> the the wrong year, the wrong place, yes. the wrong day. I've done Same. I mean a million it's, times. It's, the amount of times I've called Delta, I'd be like, hey, <laughs> um, yeah, so can you take, like, click the wrong just, thing? <laughs> yeah, it's the wrong thing. It's just, and, and, and I will, my brain, I'll be like, I mean, when I was in New York, going to the wrong airport, I mean, I would oh check more times than, than anything else in my life. I'd be like, JFK, right? JFK, JFK, yeah. JFK, JFK. Because <laughs> like, I just was like, I'm going to go to the wrong airport. I'm going to do it. Um, so I, I, but I think, you know what, Sammy, like, I think that's our superpower. Yeah. I mean, we are so right. Like there's just no room. You don't write a there's book. There's too much happening. Like you yeah. did, like where the thoughts, like this is, this is why I say like the right brain is, is it, as much as the left brain is just like shot. The right brain is beautiful because you can turn nothing into this like amazing book that's so cohesive and thoughtful it's like you can't do that if you're obsessed over like an excel yes. cell like i don't know like yes. it's just some no, people that's don't true. think linear and that's yeah. true no that's true and it means that i think i'm i think i'm a f- good person to ed- like edit to edit yeah because i don't give a fuck like people are like oh i can't i'm like whatever i didn't even know yeah. like i don't even it, i can't even tell and i also like, trust and other people me too with that me too. like okay you me too you're probably you know better. this <laughs> yes you do whatever you need to do right. um and and yeah because i've heard of editors being like oh when writers contest things and like again i probably have been like a pain in multiple ways i mean i know i was a pain i had an intervention at my first job my first journalism job at mike where like th- just the, the most kindest loving copy uh, editor sat me down with my editor and they were like um okay so um how about you um, use people's names accurately? Like, like, how about like you like really make sure that like not like every person's name that you put in has a typo in it. You know, it, it was just um, really marvelous the the kindness that they that they that they showed in that moment of of just. Uh, but yeah, I I have been notorious for because I want to just I don't know I'm 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 going. It's like I can't stop yeah. when the train's gone. Right. It's like right. we had that thought. And, you know, I don't. Yeah, yeah, five minutes ago. Like, what? Yeah. What did I write? What did I do? What did I? <laughs> I feel the exact same. Okay, so last question, and yeah. I feel like I might know the answer to this after this interview, but I'll let you answer. Oh. 
Okay. If you could choose to magically solve any problem in the world, which would it be? I mean, it is a tie between ableism. Like I really, it would make me so, I think the world we would live in if ableism was eradicated would be, I don't think we know how rich and beautiful that world could be. Um, so I selfishly would like to experience that and see that world. Not selfishly though. That being said, right. Yeah. right. But that, Very being not said, yeah. <laughs> that being said, you know, uh, my agent, my book agent will want me to say, make sure that I say masculinity. No, I mean, look, I, I spent four years writing a, a book about how if we were to solve the masculinity crisis, we would be solving, uh, you know, nearly every crisis. And, and even at the root of ableism is, is also, you know, there, there's a lot of um, unhealthy masculinity that's tied to that. I interview a lot of, uh, well, I knew several disabled men for the book who, you know, who tell me like, there is no one who is more uncomfortable about disability than able-bodied cisgendered white men, right. because again, uh, disability is you know is this idea that 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 somehow you're not able to dominate, that somehow you're not able to be at the top of this hierarchy, and um, and be able to provide and protect, which is the only way that we value men in our society. So. Um, and, and, and obviously I don't believe that disabled men cannot provide and protect. I think that in our, you know, constrained view of what those things mean, um, we box men into those roles and, and, and therefore disability somehow, I mean, disability literally, I mean, most people have disabilities uh, can't get jobs and that's not because they're, uh, again, there's so much potential and talent. It's just not being tapped into. Um, so yeah, I think if we were to solve the masculinity crisis, we would see, uh, just a complete transformation of our society from climate change and, and obviously to women's lives and, and, and gender equality, but just at every, 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 every single part of, of, of society and in our private relationships. That is where I think, um, you know, this is a political conversation, but it's really a personal conversation too. Um, a lot of, 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 of women and men and gender non-binary people are, you know, yeah, want you know, are, are with the cause, but it would also take away so much um, weight off of their lives to be able to live in, in a world where everyone is just, you know, unencumbered to be themselves. Right. And, you know, women would get some help from men at things yeah. that would enable them to go do other things. Yes. But and they would be able to talk to, men, you know, to men about things that are hard so that women aren't um, holding all of that space all of the time. Um, and, and imagine the time, imagine what we would do with all our time, Sammy, right. like, <laughs> I know. years and hours. Like it's, you know, the, the Hillary doc, one of my favorite parts was, uh, on Hulu was when they asked her, like, how many hours have you spent in hair and makeup during, like during your campaign, just, just in a 2016 campaign. And she was like, well, okay. For an hour every day for this many days. And it was two and a half weeks worth wow. of time. Um, and that just blew my mind. And it's something, you know, you're like, oh yeah, this is fucked up. Like this takes up way too much of my time. Yeah. Um, but similarly, I think if, yeah, if we, all of the time that, that, that again, we, all the time that we privately spend trying to cope with uh, the structures of inequality within our society that are being imposed onto us and things that we think are political are, are, you know, as we know, completely personal. Yeah, I think that is, I mean, I think that's really a great kind of thing to leave the listeners to reflect on. Like, in what ways are you sort of taking on the burden of these bigger societal yeah. issues in your own life that you may not have even mm. realized? And how is mm. that, how is that stopping you from achieving whatever you might want to achieve? So that's so huge. And that's, you know, Sammy, like, that's, what I have spent really the last year learning, like in, in, and I'm 33 and I have a master's in gender. Like I've been thinking about this my whole life and I'm still learning that it is not my job to fix this and to fix someone else. <laughs> and I hope for women, I know it's easier said than done, but the less you take on someone else's journey and someone else's work, um, the, just the better your, your life will be. And the other person's life will be right. Cause you can't fix them. Right. You, you can't and enabling women, makes it worse. Yes. Yes. So say that, that thank you. Yes. No, thank you. That is yours. Thanks. Go, go, go do that. 
Um, I think that's really important. And, and I know that's really hard, especially for women, because we've ra- again, we've raised, you know, the way we've raised women is to, is like, everything is our, everything's our fucking fault. Right. Everything. We sure. did everything. Right. It all goes back to like, <laughs> but get credit for yeah. none of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> only get credit for the bad things. Right. <laughs> I mean, we, I could really talk to you about this all day there. We've come so far, but there's also clearly so much further to go. And I mean, thank you so much for taking this time. I love talking to you. I'm so excited for when we are vaccinated and we can reunite in person and, you know, maybe take that cruise one day. Oh my God. Let's do it. Let's send out the invites. Okay. Okay. Before we go, remind everyone where they can follow you, where, what, your paperbacks out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So my paperback is out. You can get it. Uh, I encourage you to buy it from your local bookstores. uh, Bookshop.com is a great place to go that will basically get that book from an indie bookseller in your area. Um, You can get it anywhere else as well. Um, You can get it at Target, which is like kind of exciting to me. Not going to lie as a Target fan. Um, So you can, yeah, you can really sort of get it wherever you like to get your books. And you can follow me, uh, I'm Feminist Tabulous, uh, or you can put in Liz Plank and it'll probably populate on Instagram, Twitter. I'm Liz Plank on TikTok. I'm the currently the oldest person on TikTok. So that's uh, my- There's that's like a whole grandma TikTok. The grandma TikTok is Great. my whole yeah. life. I have been, I can't tell you like how many nights I've spent staring at TikToks of like, yeah, these wonderful- older women making like macaroni and cheese, like making like, and I'm just like sobbing and I'm just, I'm just like, Oh my God. So TikTok has really been a blessing this year. It is. You are so great on TikTok. When did you start? Like, when did you, cause I feel like I started seeing you like a couple months ago, but I bet you started like way before that. No, I really, okay. I'm not as like, I'm not as, I don't do as much TikToking as I wish I had time to. Um, I started my first one, my first like one that I did with the explainer was about um, the, the, I think it was either the school to prison pipeline or defunding the police. And it started around BLM. And I just felt like it was something that these things were so un, un, like misunderstood. So I don't know. I really just started talking to the camera and you were great. I loved it. Yeah. It was like little mini explainers. Um, and I, yeah, I think I saw one that you did on like the violence, you know, the, or the kid, oh. you know, sort of like kidnapping of people that was, oh yeah, that, that thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh like um, there's so many things I'm like, we've, we have, yeah, it's again, a trauma. not processed it's a trauma. Yeah. and it'll, yeah, it'll last. Um, so, and how's New York? Are you, are you in New York? I'm in New York. I barely okay. leave my apartment. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like the kind of person who's like, I don't, I'm just going to wait till April or May or whatever. Like, oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. but we, you know, we're comfortable. We just got another dog yesterday. So oh my God. Yeah. his name is Larry Huge. David. He's <laughs> joining Bruce Bader Ginsburg in our little family. So, oh my God. yeah, that's the cruise. Yeah. That's the cruise. Honestly, Larry like, David and RBG. That might be my answer to my own question, Yeah, but that'd yeah. be the best. And then Bernie sitting, uh, with his mittens on, on, on the cruise deck. That was, that was amazing. I feel like (laughs) I loved that. I hope, you know, you know, why, why I loved it is that like, it felt like for the first time, our creative energies weren't used to, uh, towards like witty takes on the villains and like on horrible things. It was like on a good thing. And it felt so good to see like people just be like really creative about something that's not terrible. Right. Um, and which I feel like the last four years, it's been like, Oh my God, this is so witty, but like, Oh my fucking God, like about the worst thing I've ever witnessed. Um, so Bernie with the mittens, he's displaced four seasons. Total landscaping is like my big shining moment in my head related to pop. <laughs> that was also great. I mean, there were some yeah. highlights. There are definitely yeah. some highlights to 2020. Yeah. We have to, yeah. We should make like a, a debrief or something like a, a guide de- yes. to processing 2020 trauma. I mean, I really think that's, that's not a, that's not a bad idea. It's, um, I, you know, I was, I don't know. I was even thinking last night, I was like, are we going to, 
shake hands again. Like, like, and, and what will happen to us mentally when like, we're just like, right. even cause my favorite thing, I live in the East village was to just like get a bagel from that like food truck in, in Astro place. And I, and just like eat my bagel out in the air. And I was like, that'll like, I can't believe like the idea of just doing that feels so outward, like out there. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, what will happen if I'm like, It'll, like, I'll, I'll just get a, we'll, we'll get these like flashbacks right. when we're going to be doing something completely normal and be like, oh my God, right. The year where like I was putting on gloves and like couldn't leave my house. Um, anyway, but it, it's very obvious, but I, yeah, I, I just really wonder what it's going to do to our brains. I have a feeling like we're the next generation will have some weird things that their parents yeah. do as a result of this year. Right. Like, why do you scrap the groceries? Yeah. No, that's a good point in the way that like, Depression. Our, yeah, my ing- immigrant yeah. grandparents like put like coal in their basement, like, 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 like stockpiled coal, like, and, and it was just like a weird remnant of the war. Like, yeah, what will be, we're going to stockpile like toilet paper, sanitizer, yeah, sanitizer, <laughs> <laughs> toilet paper. Um, wow. Yeah. It's been weird. It's been a weird time. Yeah. Indeed. But thank you so much, Liz. I thank you. You know, we, these conversations are just amazing. And I hope that you stay Aww. safe in LA. Thank you. You too. Yeah. Thank you. And we will definitely reunite at the end of yes. this pandemic. <laughs> thank you for listening to today's Afternoon Tea. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can help us grow by heading over to the feed on iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe, or follow if you're listening on Spotify. Until next Friday, I'm Sammy Sage, and this has been your political therapy session. Afternoon Tea is brought to you by The Betches Sup. Our producers are Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales, Stacey Wong, and Nicole Pellegrino. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Our editor is Stacey Wong. Be sure to follow Morning Announcements on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss a morning news update. 